Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. In this episode, we discuss The Last Duel, spoiler free. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is Anthony. And this is James. And we just saw The Last Duel the other day. And I thought this movie, I was expecting it to be good, but it was excellent. I'm, I was blown away. I think it's got two of the best performances of the year from Jodie Comer and Matt Damon. The acting all around is excellent. Ben Affleck's awesome. This movie, Adam Driver's phenomenal. The screenplay is exceptional from Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Nicole Holof Center, based on the book by Eric Jaeger, The Last Duel, a story, a true story of trial by combat in medieval France. And again, Ridley Scott still has it. And this is a, you know, based on a true story. Obviously, it's a little sensationalized because it's a movie, but it really did happen. And this was a real duel that was like the last public duel to settle a dispute in France's history. And it is a fascinating story. It's an excellent, excellent screenplay. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Um, along with Nicole, really crafted something very original, and I thought I was shocked at how good it, how good the script was. And then Ridley Scott, I love him to death, but he does have a lot more like misses in the last twenty years or yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially with the sequels he's been making, he has been a little underwhelming at times. Like I like Prometheus, but yeah. Alien Covenant is not yeah. that great. But then, and The Martians is the last good movie, but this movie. I was at, I was shocked at how good it was. Me too. I, I knew it was going to be pretty good. Reviews have been good. Trailers are awesome. Trailers are excellent, and I love the setup. But I was just really blown away by this. Ridley Scott did an excellent job making this film. Visually, it's a beautiful film. There is some obviously dark parts that uh, we'll discuss later on. But, you know, actually, we're going to, in top, in terms of spoilers, we're going to go like 10 minutes spoiler-free, but we'll do some spoilers at the end of the episode if you want to stay tuned. But we'll definitely warn you all if we're going to say something that spoils the film. Yeah, but we want to we want to tell you guys why we think you should see this film. And this bonus episode is brought to you ad-free because of our patrons. So become a patron, a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. So the cinematography was done by Darius Wolski. He's done so many great movies that you probably love that you didn't know he's done. He's done the Pirates movies. He's done pretty much all of Ridley Scott's movies in the last like 15 years, like The Martian, Prometheus. Uh, he did The House of Gucci. So everything Ridley's been coming out with, it, it's his new cinematographer. Um, it's exceptional cinematography, all practical filmmaking, huge sets, tons of extras, production design, wardrobe. I love it. We've been getting some great medieval stories turned to film the last like five years, like The King with Timothy Chalamet. Really good movie. I think that might be Netflix's best original film so far. And then Outlaw King, which stars Chris Pine. I like that movie a lot. Another great medieval stories. And what I think that Ridley and these filmmakers captured with the medieval world in, in those films that we never really seen done super well is the combat, especially when you're wearing like knights full of armor combat. I loved the way they did it in this film. And you could say no one has done that better than Ridley, whether it be Kingdom of Heaven and Gladiator. He really has tackled this world in an amazing way. Even Robin Hood has a lot of that. And the fight scenes in this movie are insane. They're you, he, so yeah. good. He does things differently that yeah. you've never seen before. He's done all these ancient medieval battles. And like you would think, oh, it's going to be the same thing as Gladiator. It's still unique. He, does yeah. it, he changes it up and does things you've never seen before. And there were some great moments of violence that had you and I jumping, literally jumping out of our seat. We both which screamed. Surprised. We like, screamed at one point. It was really fantastic. And I, he, he's really still got it as a director. And 
I think he knows how to keep a battle visually interesting, and he's done it so many times, and you've seen so many of these films, battles on film, and he makes it really unique every time, and I was really just blown out of the water by some of these action sequences. In the mystery of of the film, in terms of who's telling the truth, because it's about an accusation by the character Marguerite, so the, the main cast is made up of Matt Damon as Sir Jean de Carouge, Adam Driver's as Jacques Legree, Jody Comier plays Sir Jean's wife, Marguerite de Carouge, and so Marguerite um, claims that Jacques Legree raped her while Jean de Carouge was off in battle. And then also Ben Affleck plays Pierre de Alencon, who's basically like the in charge of this area, and he's, in, he's those the are, lord of the those area. Those are both squires and knights under him, and so it's about her um, claiming that Jacques Legree raped her. And trying to get Sir Jean, her husband, to believe him, and then also to bring up charges of rape against Jacques Lecrie. And so the way they tell the story is very unique. It's perspective based. Each character between Sir Jean, Jacques, and then Marguerite gets their own act to tell their truth, and we find out who the real truths, who the the real truth of the story at the end of the film. And it's really fascinating. The character development in this film is really excellent. It does move a little fast, but then once it gets going, when you're halfway into the movie and you realize what's going on. Then you accept how quickly it moves in the first 30 minutes or so because there's a really complicated relationship between Legree and De Carouge because these these are two men who have been fighting with alongside each other for years. And, you know, De Carouge, who ha- has he, – he had a family who passed away and his um, dead son, his the godfather was Legree, so they have a great past. And, you know, this brings a great amount of conflict between the two of them as well as their – natural adversarial personality traits amongst one another because they do butt heads quite often for different reasons and it's not just this one conflict like i think they did an amazing job with the screenplay of rolling out that there's a lot of layers to this relationship and this accusation by marguerite is like the final nail in the coffin that is going to um, make a, ba- a big difference between whether this relationship can ever continue or will it end and yeah i think it's they did an amazing job establishing every character and really slowly layering this complex thread together and it when it finally crescendos in the final act it's really excellent and the performances like you said this is matt damon's best performance in a long time he's really excellent i i I have him right now he's i think he's uh, number one for lead actor in a a role so far this year for oscar oscar contentions jody comer unbelievable she should definitely get nominated as uh, marguerite and she's an excellent actress from killing eve and Adam Driver does a fantastic job. And Ben Affleck was surprisingly fun and good. It it This is like reminds me so much of Good Will Hunting because they play similar roles where Matt Damon plays the, the lead, heroic kind of lead. And then Ben Affleck plays a supporting character with a mix of comedy in there. Yeah, and Ben's awesome. with. He doesn't get a ton of time in the first act, but then he starts coming into the play about halfway through the film. And he just kind of becomes a scene stealer in a lot of the moments because his character is so interesting and funny. And... Again, Jodie Comer, she has such a complex role. They all really have interesting, complex roles, but hers might be the most difficult to pull off because, again, each character gets a section of the, of the film to tell their truth. And so it's the truth according to Sir John, the truth according to Jacques, and then the truth according to Marguerite. We're not going to tell you who's the truth is until we get to the spoiler part because we don't want to let you know because I went into it not looking up the story, not wanting to know who won the battle. I didn't want to know who won the duel. And whether Marguerite was telling the truth or not. So I wanted to find out while watching the film. And I, it was very rewarding to wait for that moment. And this movie, it's so relevant and timely, especially for things that are socially on the 
consciousness of the of a Western culture in terms of you know gender politics and equality amongst men and women and you know this film does a really great job of you know new, using nuanced storytelling to display how difficult life was for women in this age in this era like for example Marguerite even though she's made the claim of rape against Legree um, the the government and the church don't see it as an act of against Legree. I, it, they don't see it as an act against Marguerite. They consider it an act against Degharouche because women essentially were considered property of their husbands yeah. at that time. So they, the church and the in the kingdom, are looking at this through the perspective of Legree has you know taken advantage of Degharouche's property, aka his wife. So it's a really fascinating look at how difficult it was for women in terms of this landscape to you know just have a normal life. Well, impossible, really. Yeah. Even if they come from nobility or even if they are part of like a royal house, they yeah. still are prisoners in pretty much every sense of their life. Their life's controlled by the kings, the king, the, controlled by their husbands, and pretty much they don't have any freedom despite the fact they might be part of a very wealthy, powerful family. And and this is in a, this is in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler, but even Marguerite, she questions De Carouge, who he's like, I'm sacrificing my life to, to, to you know, save yours and to defend what you're saying. And she's like, no, you're sacrificing your life to defend your honor. This is more about you than it is about me. Exactly. You know what I mean? And he's taking the perspective of, oh, this has happened to me rather than, oh, what, this has happened to my wife. Yeah. And again, I, I think this is a point right now we might head into spoiler territory. What do you think? You got anything else to say that wouldn't spoil the film? Um, I would say, let's, I would just say, you should definitely check this film out. It is long. It runs at two hours, 40 minutes. So it is a long film, but the payoff is really worth it. And there is a lot going on. There are a lot of scenes and it does move pretty quickly. There's a lot to digest. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yes, but I say give it a shot. Uh, just sit back and really pay attention to what's going on. And once it gets rolling, this film is really, really excellent. And I recommend. I couldn't recommend it enough. It's one of my favorites this year. It might be my favorite behind Dune so far. Yeah, and I'm just really disappointed. The box office is so lackluster. It's got $17 million worldwide on a $100 million budget. It's not getting seen really, unfortunately. You know, it's a tough time to come out. We have Dune, we have Bond, we have Halloween, we have The French Dispatch. So many movies coming out in October, so it's obviously a difficult environment for a film like this to come out. So hopefully we're not seeing, like, the death of these great period pieces um, because it is an incredible film. It's one of my... It's maybe my my second favorite film, third favorite film of the year so far. And, you know, we've seen some great ones. But let's head on over to spoiler territory right now. So, again, warning, before you go see The Last Duel... Shut this podcast off now. <laughs> Go see The Last Duel and then come back and tune into what we talked about. 
All right, spoiler territory. Here we go. For me, The Last Duel is an incredibly important film for both men and women to go watch because it shows how the perspective of the truth shifts based on whose voice is actually being heard. And in this story, like countless before, the victim's voice is least important to those laying judgment in the matter despite it being the truth and the entire situation was artificially resolved by fate rather than justice. So basically what we find out is through these perspective-based stories. So part one is the facts according to De Carouge. Then part two is the facts according to Legree. And then part three are the, is the truth according to Marguerite. And we do find out that she is telling the truth. Yes, and it's a really brilliant way to tell a story. I, a couple of films have done this before. But essentially is what happens is you see the, the events of the film take place. The plot of what exactly happened. Not just the incident itself, but the events leading up to the incident from the perspective of each of the three characters. And what's really interesting is that with each character, as you're seeing their story play out, they obviously, since there's, it's through, they're viewing it through their own eyes and their own mind, they see themselves as, you know, the one who's in righteous, the one who's more righteous, the one who honestly is more of a victim and more heroic figure, especially in terms of the men. And you could say that the men view themselves as heroes, whereas, you know, Marguerite views, her, views herself not as a hero or a heroic figure, but as a victim, which she is. And in terms of Matt Damon's character, De Carouche, he views himself as someone who is a loving husband. We, he views himself as someone who has been fallen victim to Le Gris, who seems to be, you know, a sinister personality who is, you know, whispering into the Lord's ear, turning him against him, turning him against De Carouge and, you know, he accepts the land that was supposed to go to De Carouge based upon the marriage with Marguerite. It was initially verbally part of the deal, but then the uh, late uh, Pierre bought the land from the landowner before they got married. So the land was already sold before De Carouge married Marguerite. So he took the land. Yeah, he took the land basically. And many other instances where, you know, De Carouge finds himself falling victim and yet Legree seems to always be coming out on top. Yeah, so whoever's telling the story between De Carouge and Legree, the other person looks worse. For in each each person's perspective, what's interesting is Ridley Scott and the filmmakers and the screenwriters, they go back to the same events, but from the perspective of each character. Yeah. And so they did a great job filming it. Between De Carouge and Legree, when they view each other's own perspective, when we're watching each other's own perspective, the other person looks worse. And in the other person's world, they saved their life. So in De Carouge's version, he saved Legree's life in battle. Whereas in Legree's version, he saved De Carouge's life in battle. And so they have this back and forth where the other one seems to be I'm the better person than you. And De Cruz is also a complex character where his family, his name carries weight with it. You know, his his father is very well known. He was the captain of that area of, of the France. The fortress, yeah. And they, it's his birthright, basically, to get that and become the take over the captainhood of that. But because Pierre favors Legree, which we learn through their relationship in, in Legree's perspective, where they they are very friendly with each other and they, they, they spend a lot of nights together, obviously, <laughs> doing lots of crazy things. Um, he gives he gives Legree the land that was promised to the dowry of Marguerite and De Carouge because of their wedding. He gives the most valuable piece of land from Marguerite's family to Legree as a gift for basically settling his his books financially and because he has his favor and he likes him a lot more. And what's really interesting about Legree's perspective was because at first through De Carouge's perspective he seems like a a decent man. And like an honorable man, and he, you know, he's a great warrior. And 
we feel like empathy towards him for what's happening. Things are not going his way, and he seems to be trying to do the best he can. You know, he seems like a very loving husband. But then when we see Legree's perspective, we we learn that De Carouge really is a very difficult person to you know have a, a normal relationship with. He's very stubborn. We learn he's very um very feisty. None of the other men respect him. They res- they they respect how great of a warrior he is. And how he'll put his life on the line for his king time and time again. But like for example, when De Carouge is being knighted, all of the other warriors are like chatting amongst themselves, and he has to yell at them all to be quiet during his ceremony of being knighted. And when we see that Legree and Pierre, the Lord, are very close and they they seem like best friends, we learn that Pierre and De Carouge have known each other for a very long time. And Pierre can't stand De, De, De Carouge, you know, drives him crazy. He's so stubborn. He's always causing problems. And he always, like, seems to overreact and cause situations and blow them out of proportion. And so Pierre doesn't want anything to do with De Carouge. And it's De Carouge's own doing. So we learn that Pierre made no effort to keep the land within De Carouge's family and made no effort to make him the captain because he can't stand him. And according to each man, their perspective of their relationship with Marguerite differs according to their perspective and are both false according to the truth of the film, which is Marguerite's real truth in her perspective um so according to de carouge he's a very loving husband on their wedding night he's like tells her not to worry because this is her she's about to be lose her virginity she's very scared i'm sure most men in this era and medieval world always take advantage of their wives because like we explained they were technically their property so who knows how horribly they were treated we can only imagine on a regular basis so you can she was rightfully terrified but according to de carouge he was always very gentle with her and respectful with her and loved her very much and would, they missed each other when they were when he was away at battle, and they had a beautiful relationship, according to De Carouge. And then, according to Legree, he and Marguerite had some spicy, flirtatious relationship that never existed. You know, at the at that ceremony, the that party. The, the, yeah. the the birth of the uh, the the child of one of the squires that they all are invited to, according to Legree. Him and Marguerite were flirting intensely, and they have so much in common. And there's the, the kiss that um, uh, De Carouge has Marguerite give to Legree. From his perspe- from Legree's perspective, there was like passion in it, and like kisses, like sparks and fireworks went off, and they both felt it, which is total BS. And then when Marguerite and De Carouge are dancing amongst the others, in De Carouge's perspective, they're dancing very intimately, and uh, he's smiling and laughing. But in Marguerite's version, he's very, you know, very stiff and wooden, doesn't seem to enjoy dancing. And also in that scene... And, well, in Legree's version. I'm getting there. Oh, sorry. Legree's perspective, she is, she keeps looking at him across the, the dance hall, like smiling and looking at him, and Legree takes it as, oh, she's very interested in me and she, she fancies me. But in the reality of Marguerite's truth, we learn that Marguerite is showing De Carouge how to treat a man who is your rival with, you know, with kindness and with smiles. And it's easier than just being bitter rivals and constantly fighting. And so it had nothing to do with flirtation or tr- showing that she liked him or was interested. She was like putting on a show for De Carouge and Legree took it at, as her flirting for flirting with him. And so the rape that happens to Marguerite in, in De Carouge's perspective, we never see that what happens. We just see Jean de Carouge come back from battle and Marguerite tells him that she was raped. And according to Jean de Carouge, he was completely supportive of her and undyingly said, basically said that he would support her and help bring up charges and, and make this right without 
hurting her or harming her or anything. It was, it was a warm embrace he gave her. But then the reality was that once she told, revealed the truth to him, he, he grabbed her by the throat and was strangling her with fury. And then also, once he accepted that what, hap- what happened was the truth from her, he said, how could he keep doing this to me? You know, he, he's looking at his Legree taking, you know, assaulting him, like essentially assaulting his property rather than even having a second thought about Marguerite. Yeah, but let's go back to Legree's version of the rape. So according, to, and then in, in Legree's version of his perspective, his facts, part two of the film. So in part one, we don't see the rape. We just see the afterwards with Marguerite tells John, John de Carouge. Then Legree's perspective is the first time we see the rape, which according to him... It was rape, but not completely, like, in his perspective, he held her down and everything, but it, to him, he, she wanted it, and it was playful about it in a way. And the the way it's depicted through his mindset is that Marguerite, even though she's, like, backtrailing from him and leads him into the bedroom, she's, like, slowly moving. She's not rushing, and she doesn't really try to close the door on him. And, you know, she does, like, kind of squirm a little bit, but she doesn't really put up much of a fight, and... From his perspective, it seems like she allows it to happen kind of willingly. And also, as it's happening, she doesn't seem like she's in pain or agony. She kind of seems like she's probably enjoying it as well. But then we see the truth through Marguerite's perspective, and we learn that she— Oh, and also there's a little little moment where he sees her take her shoes off before she heads up the steps, which to him looked like a signal of, oh, I'm getting comfortable before this happens. But in reality— she, her shoes fell off because she was running up the stairs to escape him. She rushed through the halls, tried to close the door and slam it on his face, but he caught there in time. And then he viciously forced her on the bed, held her against her will. She was crying. She was screaming. She was trying to break free every chance she got until eventually he completely overpowered her and let it in and, and just continued with the rape where, and then she was just face against the bed, weeping begging him to stop, but he just kept going. So once you see the truth, you can see how blinded this man was by the act. Yeah, he even thinks that she wanted it when he leaves the room both times in part two and part three. So from his perspective and when he's leaving Marguerite's truth, the truth of the story, he says, we couldn't help ourselves. And also don't tell your husband because he might kill you. And also before he officially, like before when he gets into the bedroom and he starts to like chase her around that circular table, it reminds you so much of in... The beginning of of Legree's story, when him and Pierre have their nights of just getting drunk and sleeping with many women, how they play these games of chasing each other, and he's like, "If you run, I will only, I will only chase you," something like that, which he thinks is like it's a game. She wants to play this game with me. She definitely wants me, and because why wouldn't she? We have this connection, so she's just she wants it, but she knows she shouldn't take it, but or she shouldn't let me do it, but she's gonna let me anyways. And even after that, Legree confesses to a priest his sin. But the way he views the sin, he views it as adultery against a married man's woman, which is, had nothing to do with rape. He just views it as, oh, I bedded my friend's wife, which means I'm, I'm an adulterer. That's how he views the sin, not as rape because he doesn't, look, he doesn't view it as a rape. He views it as two people in love who committed adultery. And coveting. Yeah, so those, exactly. those are his two great sins according to him, not yeah, rape. The exactly. vicious rape, which Mar- Marguerite's the, her, her truth, the truth of this film— from Marguerite in part three, it's it's tough to watch. It's really it's really vicious. It's violent, and she is screaming as loud as she can. She does everything she can, but she's left alone by Jean de Carouge's mother because her mother 
despises Marguerite and she blames her for all the misfortune in their lives and that Jean de Carus has, has had the last several years and for not producing an heir. Yeah, it's a really incredible way to tell this story. And, you know, Marguerite's story is tragic because she has to deal with the rape and then she has to deal with the, the violent uh, reaction of her husband who nearly chokes her to death because he's so furious that Legree did this to his property, his wife that he nearly kills her in the process of just learning the news. And then even though she has told her, he, she has told him what happened, he still makes her sleep with him. So essentially she gets raped again, you could say. You could probably say she's getting raped constantly by Jean de Carouche. Yeah, he, he's, I believe he says something along the lines of, I won't let Legree be the last man who's bedded you, something like that. Yeah. And it was just one of the most powerful moments of the film. It's so disturbing. And it just, like, caught you off guard. And I, I was shocked when I heard that line. Yeah, and one of the most tragic elements of the film is uh, is Jean de Carouge in, in, the, in the stories, all three. He does support her, and but, again, it's mostly for himself, and bring these charges up, up against Legree. And he takes it to the king because Pierre is essentially the court system in, where, in, the, in their area. And so then he, he appeals to the king. And he gets the hearing in the trial, and that's where he's able to have the duel, and, and I think they need every vote in Parliament to accept it. And in terms of the duel, Karouche, he wants to do the duel, but at through his first perspective, it, he's, he makes it seem as though it's an honorable thing, like, this man deserves to die for what he did to my wife. You know, he needs to be punished. But ultimately, we see, once the perspectives are laid out, Karouche wants to kill um, Legree because of how much he hates him. And this is an opportunity for him to finally defeat this man who has been his longtime rival. And so it's, it's more of an opportunity than a way of getting revenge for his wife, a way of getting revenge for himself against Legree. And in Marguerite's truth, in, in the truth of the film, in the third act, we, we see more of the court proceedings than we do in the other two versions of the men's perspective. And we learn basically that from her, her point of view that not only do is it only possible to get pregnant by having an orgasm during sex with your husband. That's what they believed. According to this rule, it's science. That's why she hasn't been able to get pregnant because apparently she's not feeling pleasure from the sex. That's the way it's supposed to happen. But now she's pregnant exactly six months after the supposed rape occurred. So she, according to the court system, it's possible that... The rape was made up and she was feeling pleasure, which is why she got pregnant from the rape, which is horribly offensive and absurd to believe. And then after that, they say maybe she just imagined the rape happening. So then you can even see the queen reacting like just she doesn't say anything. I think it's really smart that the queen never says a word in this film. It's the king who speaks. But we often see inserts of her reactions to moments like that where she obviously reacts like that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard to just think that this woman imagined being raped. That's absurd. But being even though she's the queen... Even she can't speak out against these men in this room. And I think the most absurd part of this whole story is that even though Marguerite's telling the truth, it doesn't matter because the fate of her in her life is going to, it's coming, I mean, the the result of of the trial and everything and the duel, it's they, according to them, is going to come down to God and come down to fate. So it's just become, come down to this battle. But according to them, if John de Carouge wins the duel, that means that she's telling the truth. But if Legree wins the duel, that means she was lying and she'll be burned alive, which is insane. Which basically means that in this world, women cannot tell the truth. It's like up to God and up to fate to determine situations like this. And that's such a horrible thing because even her mother-in-law tells Marguerite that she too was raped when she was younger, but she didn't say anything about it. And she never, you know, 
called called for a trial or anything or accused anyone because there probably was no point because even no one would believe her and even if something did happen her life would have been at stake just for telling the truth and so marguerite is the most courageous person in this entire story yeah and john de carouge fails to mention to Marguerite what will happen to her if she loses the duel. And she finds out during the court proceedings that if John de Carouge loses, she'll be burned at the stake. She'll be whipped and then burned, which is in 20. And they said, um, the priest says, sometimes it takes up to 20 minutes for them to die from the fire, which is absolutely insane. And so once they said that, I was like, oh, I was horrified. I, and I was like, I hope to God De Carouge wins this wins this duel. But I love the storytelling in this film with that three with three way perspective. But also Ridley opens the film up with the opening of the duel, the preparations, and then the final act, the final part of the film is the actual duel. And the battle sequences in this movie are exceptional. Like the one on the river, we see two different versions of it. Both are done so well. The the violence is brutal. Just the the production design, the sound design, like hearing the chain links, it feels like you're wearing it yourself. It feels heavy. You hear all the metal clanking and everything. It's it's awesome. I never heard it sound that good in a battle scene before. Just all all of the action going on. And then the duel itself was incredible. It was one of the best movie fights of all time. I'm saying that it really was astounding. It was brutal. It was intense. You didn't know who was gonna win. I was like, I hope De Carouge wins, but it looks like he might not win. I and you know, it was excellent. Both actors did an amazing job. The stunt team did amazing work. Because first it starts out, um, what do you call that? Joust. Jousting, and the jousting was awesome. They what probably a, didn't joust in real life, but they, oh yeah, 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 not the actors. But I, th- I bet no, this, I mean no, I mean the, the oh the duel. The, yeah, they didn't joust. Oh, you don't think so? You don't joust in duels. You just fight. I, I don't see why not. No, you, they didn't. I looked it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. They did an excellent job with this, and I was just on the edge of my seat, like, fearful of who was going to win this. Yeah, and the thing is, obviously, you want De Carouge to win, but they're both monsters. They both are terrible dudes. They're, they're, they're horrible people because especially in, in um, Marguerite's version and her, in her, in the truth, we see how horrible De Carouge is to her as a husband. He's 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 mean. He's, he's uh, unemotional. He's detached from her. He, he seems like he doesn't even like her at all. He just wants to use her to produce, produce an heir. That's it. That's all she is to him, to produce an heir and also financial purposes. You could look at the horses they keep as a metaphor for yeah. her, the mare, where he's just trying to get the mare pregnant with the right kind of horse. And, you know, essentially Marguerite is, you know, a horse to him. You know, it's part of his property. He's trying to breed more of his family line through her. Plus, in and in, in ironically, she's excellent at running his, his little piece of area in his land and he's she she does everything better than he does which is ironic and unfortunately even when he comes back she has to stop doing that and he tries she tries to just have that slightly low low cut dress which he finds horribly offensive and makes her take off and doesn't even greet her when he comes home from battle so he just treats her so horribly in the film and again his perspective he's he's the greatest husband alive <laughs> and the battle is is epic and then when John de Carouge finally defeats Legree the sigh of relief that left me was enormous, man. I was so grateful that Marguerite survived. And the way he killed him was insane. It's, he just wild. He stuck the knife in his mouth and then kneed his head into it. And oh my God, it was insane. That was, was that the scene when you, we screamed out yeah, loud? Yeah, we jumped out of our seats and screamed. It was crazy. Yeah, and also the battle scene when he drives a sword up the guy's head. Man, it was wild. And yeah. I was like, I was so happy De Carouge won, not because of him, but because she didn't have to die because of him. But even though he won and she lives, it's still kind of a tragic way to end it because 
when he wins, he's he's greeted by the whole village and, and kingdom as a hero. He's like on they're on horseback, like riding through the city. He is like a champion. Everyone's cheering for him, and he's like holding the swords up, like I won, I did it. And then behind him, forgotten is Marguerite. Yeah, he got all the glory, and she's just again forgotten, unknown. Nobody cares about her at all. And and although that is a, a tragic ending, it does ironically end very positively for Marguerite, where you know after three years, De Carouge, he was killed at, during the Crusades. And all of the land and all of his assets were left to Marguerite, where the film says she lived for 35 years. Very comfortably. Very comfortably <laughs> and never married again. She's like, I'm not having another man in my life. <laughs> These men suck. Besides her son, which it's, I think it's nice to see that it was actually John de Carouge's son and not Yeah, they made Legris. him blonde. Yeah, so it's obviously his son, not Legree's. Yeah, because if he had dark hair, it definitely would have been Legree's. So once you saw that he was bleached blonde hair, it was like, that's got to be de Carouge's son. But yeah, this movie was incredible. And again, it's just a great way to show how perspective of the truth is different for each party involved and how the victim is, even if they're telling the truth, it doesn't really matter to everyone else. Yeah, it's very timely, especially the last few years. And I think that everybody should watch this film if they get a chance. And it will be on streaming in 40 days. So if you don't feel comfortable going to a theater, it will be available I believe uh, Disney will be owning it, so I'm not sure where they're, where they'll send it, but we'll find out. We'll keep an eye on it and keep you posted. But if you do feel comfortable going to a theater, I highly recommend checking out The Last Duel. Thanks so much for tuning into this bonus episode of The Last Duel. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.